Hello again and welcome to our continuing series at Central Heights this summer called Words to Live By. Today's guest probably needs no introduction. He's our executive pastor, Rod Adrian. But let's face it, I mean, he's, he's a little scary to us, right? But I think today as you hear a little bit from Rod and his past, get an insight into his life, you'll find that he's just got a real soft and tender heart. So Rod, welcome here. And uh, looking forward for us to get to know you better. Tell us a little, I mean, it's hard for me to believe that Rod was ever a child, let alone a baby, but we'd love to hear about your childhood and what that looked like. Yeah, I was small once. Uh, so I was born in Vancouver at a hospital that's no longer there anymore, which is kind of common for people our age. Uh, but shortly after being born, I, my family lived in Richmond. And so I grew up in Richmond. I don't really remember Richmond a whole lot because I was five when we moved away from there. And we moved to Coquitlam and uh, lived in Coquitlam until I was in grade seven. And then dad took a promotion and moved our family to Sherwood Park. And so I lived in Sherwood Park, Alberta for uh, junior high and early high school. And then later on in grade 12, moved to Airdrie, Alberta. And uh, that's where I kind of grew up. Wow. So as a, growing up, what did you, like how big were you in grade eight, for example? <laughs> well, I was a pretty big boy. Always, I was always yeah. the biggest in my class, right. for sure. You know, um, I always disliked people like you, because yeah, I was I always the smallest. So. Yeah, so even, even in that weird era where the girls were always taller than the boys, I was actually still taller than wow. the tallest girls. And so I was just used to being big all the time. So. And did you play sports like the typical expected would be basketball? Yeah. Or well, I love sports and I actually started off playing soccer mm. and uh, enjoyed soccer. And then baseball was a big sport for me too. And t-ball right from all the way up through the different levels. And, and later on in grade five, I started playing basketball. Um, and then later on, I played football and okay. loved sports. That was kind of like the, my go-to thing. Right. Uh, was involved in lots of different uh, teams over the years. And siblings? How many? Yeah, so I have one brother who okay. uh, was born 19 months after I was, so he's younger, but in fact, he's taller than I am. Wow. And so, yeah, his name is Jeremy. Okay. And so graduated from high school, and then what happened? Going yeah. to the workforce? Did you continue your education? So after high school, I was committed to go to Briarcrest Bible College. Um, I just wanted to go there. My parents had attended there. Mm -hmm. they, um, they met there. In fact, funny story, my dad was my mom's basketball coach because he was in college and she was in high school. And so... Is that allowed? Yeah, I think, I think they let it slide at that time. <laughs> okay, all right. Anyway, so we had connections to Briarcrest uh, from, you know, that was kind of my origin story. And uh, so attended Briarcrest after high school was privileged to be able to play on the basketball team there too. And in fact, mm -hmm. in uh, 1991, we won the silver medal at nationals, wow. which was a huge thing for a small school to yeah. do. And uh, following that, we actually went to the Ukraine uh, for 30 days with Athletes in Action as a basketball team and mm -hmm. handed out Bibles, shared our testimony. I had nice. a great time uh, traveling around. And so that was really transformational in my life wow. to be able cool. to do that. So did you get, graduate with a degree? Yeah, so at Briarcrest, I graduated with a uh, Bachelor of Arts in Christian Ministries, Okay. which meant that yeah. I could work in a church, I right. guess. And uh, did you? And so right away, though, after, after Briarcrest, I attended Acts Seminary and okay. worked on my Master of Theological Studies because I wanted to become a teacher. Mm. I thought that was the path I was going on. And after realizing that I had been in school from kindergarten all the way through to seminary, 
I felt like I needed some life experience. And so I took a job as a youth pastor in Surrey and uh, started my vocational career at that point. Mm. Now, you had some other work experience, which I'm obviously very familiar with. But yeah. why don't you tell us how that happened. And yeah, so I, I have a small family business. Um, I, joke, I say that tongue-in-cheek because the family business was McDonald's. Mm. My dad started off in the company uh, at the, in the early days of McDonald's in Canada. And so I grew up in that world. And in fact, that was my second job uh, mm -hmm. working at McDonald's and worked all the way through high school and university, college. And, and um, after being a youth pastor for a few years, decided to go back into the workforce with McDonald's mm -hmm. um, and worked for my dad. And it was great because it was kind of like a youth group still. I just had to pay them. Mm. And so uh, working at McDonald's was a great experience. It ended with, uh, with me being the owner operators of the uh, owner operator of the stores in Squamish. Okay. And uh, I covered 21 years of my career working in McDonald's. Every time I go to Whistler, I see that McDonald's, I think of you. Yeah, so thank you. Mm -hmm. Thanks for stopping. All right, now we want to know a bit about your love life. So uh, like your wife, Amanda, is amazing. How did, that, so, how yeah. did that happen? Yeah, so we, were, we actually were at a Bible camp. Uh, I had gone to a Bible camp just outside of Calgary, and uh, her, she was at Cape and Ray, and her mom signed her up for, to go to the same camp mm -hmm. as counselor because, you know, she had a Bible college experience, mm -hmm. and so did I. And so we actually met at Bible camp. We were counselors. Mm -hmm. and you spent counseled the, each other? Well, we, we, were, we focused on the kids, but I also, I also noticed her a lot, mm -hmm. and I think she noticed me. And then after we got home from camp, well, we started dating. Nice. And that led yeah. to marriage, yeah. obviously. And so, and so yeah, we, we got married after college. And um, yeah, we have three kids. Mm -hmm. um, our oldest son is Brendan. Uh, 16 months after Brennan came along, Aaron was born. That's pretty quick. And then we waited a full 24 months for Ashlyn. All right. And so we have three kids. Uh, they're all married now, mm -hmm. and we're waiting very patiently as pre-grandparents. Oh, you wait. It's going to yeah. be exciting. Mm -hmm. At some point in your life, uh, you know, Jesus became central. So it sounds like you're raised in a Christian home. But mm -hmm. when did Jesus really sort of start to, you know, become big in your life? Yeah. So my grandfather was a pastor. So I remember going to church from as for as long as I could remember. And but there was one Sunday where I decided in my my young boy's mind that I wanted to become a Christian. Mm. I had determined that I was going to do that. No matter what the pastor said, I was going to put my mm. hand up at the end of the service because this church often gave altar calls. Mm -hmm. And so at the end of the service, I put my hand up. I didn't think the pastor saw me, so I stood up. <laughs> I was young, so I was, you know, I, I was small in that time, believe okay. it or not. I put my hand up, and my mom was tugging on my shirt to sit down. <laughs> and, uh, and we prayed after the service with the pastor, and I became a Christian on that day. And uh, the funny thing was is that sermon had nothing to do with becoming a Christian. It was all about going on the mission field. Right. And so that's what was kind of odd that uh, a little kid was putting their hand up. But well. It changed my life. Mm. On the wet ride, car ride home, my, my brother said to me, I guess you can't punch me anymore because you're a Christian. So we had a fun relationship, <laughs> my brother and I. And then that just transformed into a, a life of following after Jesus. Um, had some meaningful times at Bible camps. Uh, was baptized at 12 oh. and uh, determined after a really neat camp experience that I would follow Jesus wherever. And... Um, 
Hey, did you ever have a time where you sort of went off the rails in your faith, or did you stay pretty consistent? Yeah, I felt I felt like I always, God always knew where I was, mm. uh, and and I don't feel like I ever, I never felt like I needed to ex mm. to go off the rails at yeah. any point. And it was actually a real pivotal time in grade twelve when when I would could have gone uh, off the rails, I yeah. guess. Uh, God really got a hold of me, and mm -hmm. I, it was during that time that I decided that I was going to go to Bible college, and and yeah, I felt like that was a, a commitment that I made that I never wanted mm -hmm. to look back on. I love that. I mean, sometimes we think we only have a testimony, you know, if you know we did this hor these horrible mm -hmm. things, and then we came back to God or whatever. I think mm -hmm. that's a beautiful testimony of, of God's grace to keep you consistent. Um, at some point. Um, you know, these verses in the Bible really became impactful in your life. We'd, lo we'd love to hear about that. I think it's out of Romans 12. Mm -hmm. And um, so what were those verses? And yeah, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Okay. We're really looking forward to you unpacking that for us today, Rod, and how it impacted your life. And I'm sure as you share, it's going to impact ours as well. Sounds good. So I've been involved in competitive sports all my life. And uh, I was always a big kid and always one of the larger players on the field or the court, and uh, really enjoyed the physical part of the game. And there were times where, you know, as a back catcher in baseball, I would love for those plays at home where there's a collision, and, and quite frankly, I was almost always ahead of that one. Um, other times in the football field, I played guard, offensive guard, and, and I would just long for the times when the coach would call a player where the offensive guard would pull around the end and I'd get to block a defensive back and, and just blow him up. And I know that for some of you, I've probably lost you in talking about sports, but for others, the NFL is coming. Be patient. But currently, you get to watch a lot of basketball, which is great for me because as a basketball coach, I, I love watching the game. And, and uh, as a player, I loved setting those really hard screens on the guards that, you know, where I could feel their head bounce on my chest and then see the stars spinning around their heads. But but I digress a little bit. I realize that there's more to sports than the physical things. The mental side of sports was really important. And, and in fact, I realized too, it isn't just about sports, it's about all of life and, and how we use our minds and, and how we um, gain advantage or, or basically live by having the right mindset. And, uh, you know, even though I was a bit of a brute, I, I don't want to focus on that too much. I do want to talk about our minds. And uh, this became very popular uh, by an author named Carol Dweck. And she wrote, in a growth mindset, people believe that their most basic abilities can be developed through dedication and hard work. Brains and talent are just the starting point. And this view creates a love of learning and resilience that is essential for great accomplishment. I don't think it's a secret that we're constantly changing. Uh, I never used to wear glasses. Uh, I used to comb my hair. Uh, once I could even jump. Uh, I've gotten smarter, I think, though. And uh, I know that, that's, that I know more than I used to. And we all change, and, and I think we could all benefit from a growth mindset that embraces learning and trying new things and to accomplish much. I also love it adventures and try to do adventures every day. And if I'm not doing them personally, I read about them, watch videos, and, and uh, just get excitement about watching other, other adventures happen. 
you know, I'd start as a young kid. I would ride my BMX bike all over the neighborhood exploring and, and finding new things. Later on in life, I'd, I'd love sailing and going out and when the winds were the, the strongest and really challenged myself. And, and now it's, you know, it's getting out on two wheels and either on a bicycle or a motorcycle and adventuring. And, and I often say that I'm not lost, I'm just exploring because my sense of direction is awful. Just ask my wife. Uh, one day I was reading an adventure blog and, and uh, this couple that I was reading about was really struggling with the things that they were going, on, going through. And, and in their adventure, they, they often would change their mindset by just saying, make something that they're struggling with their favorite. For instance, make the mud that we're stuck in your favorite. Uh, make the tough border crossing your favorite. Uh, make the sand your favorite. And I, I thought that was transformational in the way that they thought, the way they changed their minds. Um, and so quite often now you'll hear me say that in, at home and in the office, make whatever you're struggling with your favorite. And uh, I, I use it kind of to change my mind of where my current situation is. So here's practice this a little bit. Make, make doing the dishes your favorite. If you're a student, make doing homework your favorite. Uh, make tough conversations your favorite. Make public speaking your favorite. Uh, make blank your favorite. Now, these are not new thoughts, and I'd love to direct us to the, the letter that Paul wrote to the Romans. And in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Living sacrifice, wow, that's, that's deep. What does that even mean? When it comes to worship, I'm supposed to live as a sacrifice? Uh, so I enjoy singing, but it's not something I think about often or, or even do throughout my week. Uh, I'm always amazed at people who, who can remember things through song, like my wife, who I can say to her, what, what do you remember about this song? And she'll be able to sing it. Uh, but when I read verse 1, uh, I'm reminded that our worship isn't just what it, when it comes, what comes out of our mouths in song or even what's in our minds as we think about song, but it's the presentation of our whole bodies. And therefore, something we can all really do well. Uh, we can all worship with everything we do. So why holy and acceptable? Um, holy not because of what we have done, but because of Jesus and what he has done for us. It's really hard to worship when Jesus isn't involved. You notice that? It's empty. It's self-serving. Look at me. Performance-driven. When it is true worship, it is acceptable to God. So how does that relate to uh, when we're not at church or what we actually call our worship service, watching online or in person? Uh, these verses really came alive for me uh, when I was coaching, actually. And uh, it wasn't at a worship service. It was in a pregame talk that I was giving to a basketball team that I was coaching at Briarcrest at the time. And uh, you see, I was trying to exhort my team. You know, a coach goes into the locker room before the game and, and really gives, tries to boost them up and give them this pep talk. And, and I was compelled to actually read Romans 12, 1 and 2. 
and offer our bodies on the basketball court as a living sacrifice and worship God as we played. And it really struck me that this could happen not just on the court or in a workplace environment. It could happen in community life. It could happen with our family. It could happen with our friends. And that was an act of worship that could happen anywhere as we offer ourselves, not just in that one hour on Sunday morning when we go to sing, but it could happen in the 168 hours of the week when we entered into true worship everywhere we are. And so, you know, you have seen, bas- maybe some of you have watched basketball lately. It's, you know, NBA's on right now. And, and you sometimes hear that players, uh, you know, announcers will say that players are on fire. They're, they've, they're re- nothing's missing. Uh, it's clicking. They're, they're making the game look easy. Um, what about what the players are saying, though, is that they're really in the zone. Like, they're in the zone. They're feeling like nothing could go wrong when they shoot that basketball. And uh, no matter what you do, if you find yourself in the zone in life, you, you're worshiping. So wouldn't that be sweet if you entered into a, into a place wherever you are and we're in the zone at home with your kids, at work with your coworkers, uh, volunteering at church, you really felt like you were in the zone. Well, that, that's really worship. And so when you get into that, uh, you know that, uh, that this is good and acceptable. So how do we do this? This is easy said, easier said than done, isn't it? Uh, verse 2 gives us a glimpse, and it gives us a glimpse of two easy steps and one enormous promise. So step number one, do not be conformed to this world. Now, world can be interchanged with age, so don't, don't be conformed to this time that we're living in. And, uh, you know, when you think about this current age that we're in, wow, there's so much we could conform to. Um, we're constantly bombarded uh, with the perceived need to have certain things, eat, eat the certain foods, dress a certain way, uh, even have the certain opinion about things. Uh, our biggest social challenge right now is, is who and what we should believe. We are at the mercy of this age's opinion. And, it can, and I confess that I often get swayed and forget to focus first on the Word of God as I go through my daily life. And I look at that as a, go, as a guide of, of truth and, and what's right. And it's so easy to get caught up in what's going on in the news of the day, social media, uh, the world and political, political events. And we get distracted from the truth and and we get out of the zone. Can we commit today to be not conformed to this age? It will mean that we will need to be more aware about the influences around us and even the day-to-day activities that we participate in. Uh, Be careful what you share. Click on the right things. Check the sources. Don't spread false information. And if you're uncertain, ask some trusted people that you, that have have, uh, some wisdom and and pray through it and seek first God's kingdom and seek first information from God's word. And I know there's no biblical references for uh, current events, but there's much teaching on loving one another, building one another up, creating unity in the church, sacrificing our personal opinions, and worshiping God instead. Do not be conformed to this age. Second thing, renew your mind. 
Now we need to recognize that we don't uh, have everything in order to have to have everything in order before we become a Christian. We just need to start renewing our mind. Uh, the mind needs to go through a metamorphosis on the way to correct thinking. In fact, the word is often translated uh, and it gets its, its root from the word metamorphosis. And it's a transitional moment that we go through in which, in which we renew our mind. We go from one state to another, a choice that we need to make in our minds. This is becoming more and more important as we have come through a physical pandemic, but the mental pandemic has been raging before and it's going to continue to rage. I know that it's not easy to simply flip the switch, and, but we are, there are some things that we can do to, to make incremental changes to our mindset. So I'm going to give you a bit of a list here. First of all, worship. We've already been talking about how we can worship to actually put us into the right mindset. Secondly, to know your place. In context in the, of this section of the Bible, we find a therefore, which concludes the call to, to, of God to the Jewish nation, first of all, and then to the Gentiles. You can see this in, in Romans chapter 11. If you just look up a little bit, you can see the whole world and its condition is addressed in this chapter. And it sets up our response to God and His mercy and what He's blessed us with. So take a look at chapter 11. It's okay to even do it right now. I'm telling you, your mind can do amazing things. And on a side note, on average, you can process about 110 bits of information at a time. Uh, that means that you can actually listen to two people talking at a time. Studies show that once there's three, three people, it's really tough. And husbands, you know that it's tough to even hear one voice from your wife. But we can do this. So take a look at Romans chapter 11 as I'm talking here and see what it says about how, what your place is in the world. And our response to honor God with our bodies as an act of our worship, we need to know our place. And where's our place? Our place is with Jesus. It's not in this world. Third thing is to stop waiting. Uh, we often think we need something to happen to change our mind. A miracle, a gift, uh, an action from something else, God to speak to us. Uh, stop blaming your circumstances on negative thinking and stop waiting to renew your mind. It's a choice that you're going to need to make, so stop waiting. The fourth thing is to resist negative thoughts and assist positive thoughts. Resist negative thoughts and assist positive thoughts. Negative self-talk is so prevalent in our, in our minds. Guess what? You're not the only one who talks to themselves. We all do it. And often those thoughts are negative. I'm not good enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not short enough. I'm not skinny enough. I'm, all those negative self-talks that we give ourselves uh, we need to stop it. We need to control it. And we often think that we're not in control of our thoughts. Well, guess what? You are. And we are. It's yours. Your mind is yours. And you will need to own it. So how do we do that? Well, we meditate on God's Word. We think on heavenly things. Be of sound mind. Do those things ring a bell to you? The Bible talks a lot about it. So we need to control our minds and assist positive thoughts. The fifth thing I want to share with you is trust the process. 
A renewed mind isn't going to happen overnight. Uh, celebrate the progress that you make, incremental steps that you take. Uh, God created the world in six days, and after each day, he said it was good. God made the world in six days, and he said it was good. Do you think that you're going to be able to change your mind overnight? Celebrate the small steps you take and how you are renewing your mind each day. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. So what do these things result in? Well, it's an amazing promise to know God's will. Wow, this has really struck me personally in these verses because to know God through worship is great. To be able to experience uh, a transformation in my mind is fantastic. But I can really get behind all these things when I know that what God will do for me is reveal to me his good and pleasing and perfect will. That's an amazing promise. And who doesn't want to know God's will? We all do. We all want to know what's next in our lives. We, we you know, especially those planners that are out there, uh, you want to know what's next. And guess what? We, we don't know. We can't find out. We can't look into the future. But we can, as we worship, as we avoid conforming to this age, as we renew our minds, God promises us that he will reveal his good will. Now, I think it's easy to get, get behind the fact that his will is acceptable. Yeah, we, we trust God. We, we have faith that God is going to do the right things. It's, it's reasonable for us to think like that. We also know that God's will is perfect because he is perfect. So, yeah, we can understand that. But it's interesting that Paul includes the word good. God's will is good. Does that mean that only good things are going to happen to us? Unfortunately, no. Now, good according to God's plan, for sure. Uh, let's not be fooled that this age wants us to think that everything is going to turn out good, that you can accomplish whatever you set your mind to, that uh, you know, there won't be any problems. Uh, God's will is perfect. God's will is good. Not because we're going to live forever on this earth. This is a fallen and sinful world. It's good and acceptable and perfect because we are not. And God has a great plan for you. In John chapter 14, starting in verse 1, Jesus said, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do not know him and have seen him. Maybe you're struggling today with your very own mind uh, and the thoughts that are raging in it. First of all, recognize that you're not alone. This may not be something new. Uh, maybe this is something you've been struggling for a while. And it's something that all of us have been struggling with for a while. In fact, there's centuries of evidence of people struggling with this. And this is something that Paul wrote to the, 
to the Roman church many years ago. So use this process. Start with worship. Don't conform to this age. Transform by the renewing of your mind and receive God's will. Now, if you haven't yet decided that Jesus is the one you want to follow, what are you waiting for? Here's a perfect time, a perfect opportunity to follow Jesus with your whole life, with your whole being, to offer yourself as a living sacrifice to him. Don't wait. Talk to someone you trust. In fact, if you want to, you can click on the Follow Jesus button on our website and, and find out more information about how to follow Jesus. Um, remember when I was that little boy, uh, I determined that I wanted to follow Jesus on that one Sunday morning. Maybe that's you right now. And uh, I would love for you to, to raise your hand and say, I want to follow Jesus right now. And so how did we all start this, uh, this passage? Well, it starts with worship. So I think we should do that now. Let's worship together.